Today on Locked On Canadians, everyone is injured. What does this mean for the emergency call-up situation? Also, Bo Horvat has been traded. How does that affect the Montreal Canadiens leading up to the trade deadline? Plus, we have a few more of your mailback questions that you sent us in the last couple of weeks that we still haven't gotten to. All that's coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Our Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 775. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official new sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more, and you can visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize, who is currently monitoring Twitter because we are so sure that the Canadians were waiting because we waited for news to exist before we started recording this podcast. And we were so sure that as soon as we started recording or even after we put this episode to bed, Kent Hughes was going to do something. Scott, you're monitoring the news. What's going on? Is there anything going on other than every single Montreal Canadian is injured or dying? Uh Depending on whether or not you want YouTube drama, of which I can't actually get into on this show because it is not uh, for children, which is very funny to me because grow up all of you. Uh, But no, as of right now, there is no Canadians news, but we waited until we thought we were in the clear to sit down and record that we weren't going to get news or call ups or anything, which now that I am saying this, we're going to get through most of this show. And then or we're even have to all of throw it. it in reverse and then do it all over again. Yeah, I don't think I have the energy to do the show entirely all over again. So you guys will just get an episode about this tomorrow if anything happens. <laughs> Unless it's like massive, right? Unless like the Canadians trade for like Connor McDavid or something. Um, all right, Scott, we just said everyone is injured. The Canadians said that they're going to provide an update on Sean Monaghan's status after they've been will he, won't they, won't heing. It looks like that doesn't, it sounds ominous, right? To me, it doesn't sound positive. So I've been of two minds with this because the biggest thing I've looked at is, well, he's been injured. The all-star break is one game away. There's no need to rush him back right away. But anytime there's a, well, there's an update. It hasn't really been good news for the Canadians or the Rocket or whomever this year. It does worry me a little bit, but at the same time, I look at this and think maybe they're just saying, ah, we told him to take a break and go into the all-star break where he'll get more time to recuperate. And I do think that people were right to go. Why did he play on an injured foot in those games against Calgary, et cetera, anyways, in a season where the Canadians are not pushing for anything. And those are valid, uh, but also missing Evgeny Dodonov. Still Yol Armia, still Jonathan Drouin. Uh, Doc and Dvorak also took maintenance days. We're not at practice. Everything is lining up for them to potentially, I think, use another emergency recall. Uh, 
on someone from the junior leagues. And given that they will be at home against the Ottawa senators, that leaves two real names that I would think of. And one of those is Riley kidney. And the more likely option I think would be Joshua Waugh. And it would make sense. They need someone to fill in the lineup. They have potentially enough centers to get by and you can just slide Y and on one of the lines there. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they're like, we're just calling up someone from the rocket and we're just punting and going into the all-star break without anyone, uh, any more limbs falling off of any person's body. So uh, I can't help but feel that something, something is happening right now. I don't know what it is, but something is just bubbling under the surface. That's what it feels like too. And that's, you know, that's probably why we were like, Oh, as soon as we're done recording, somebody's going to get called up. I wonder what you what your thoughts are on how Joshua would do. I like there are a lot of criticisms of him, and I personally think that offensively he's extremely gifted. But I'm not seeing that two way play that I was hoping that I would see from him. So surprisingly, his offense has dropped a bit. And Matt Drake and uh, Scott Wheeler, who put out his Canadians prospect pool rankings today. Talk about how Wah has started to evolve into playing on the penalty kill. He did it for Team Canada, which playing on the penalty kill for Team Canada, who cares? It's Team Canada. It's an all-star team, but also for the Sherbrooke Phoenix in that he's evolving that part of his game. It's what we wanted to see from him this year is that, okay, cool. If you want to put up 130 points again, but show the evolution in your game. And I think he'd be a fine option to add into the bottom six here. And just like Owen Beck, I don't expect him to be power play one PK one, all these things and generating points in a call up against the Senators team. Who's motivated to beat the Canadians and the Canadians who are, as we've said, injured to hell and back with Kirby doc playing on one leg, Christian Dvorak being, you know, a quadruple amputee at this point, based on how banged up he looks. It's he's there to fill a space and we don't expect him to be NHL ready. He's going to spend time with the rocket next year and that's fine. I just think it's a fun thing for the fans, especially at home, for something to happen there. So I'm I'm curious what they do. I'm not going to be shocked if they just call up someone from the Rocket just to fill that space. But at the same time, I would like to see them maybe try this. If, they, if it's actually possible, I'm not sure where the Rocket currently are right now. But uh, I, I think a Joshua Watt call-up at least is fun. It's one game before the All-Star break. It is not the end of the world. So you think I'm being a bit hard on him by saying he's not yet showing um, defensive play that... that I don't think... Are my it's expectations still not... too high, maybe? I think part of it is that he came in as an offense-first guy, and he's still growing that back the secondary traits to his game. In that, you know, with first overall picks, like we've seen with Slavkovsky this year working on his defensive game and his awareness, it's harder in the QMJHL because neither of us watches it as much as we can. We're going off of secondhand reports. I think it's an area that he is trying to markedly improve on, though, because we know when you transfer into the pros, all coaches, new and old, love responsible players. And I think it shows a maturity to him that he is attempting to work on that, knowing maybe it's not a strength. He's not Owen Beck. I don't expect him to be Owen Beck. But if he's able to generate that and be serviceable, when he gets to the Rocket next year, Jean-Francois Houle and et cetera are going to look at that and go, okay, this is someone I can trust with more minutes. We've seen it with guys like Xavier Simeno. 
you have to earn that trust and going and taking the steps before you turn pro gives you a better starting ground. I don't think you're being too harsh on him at all because we knew him as an offensive guy, a heavily offensive guy. I'm very intrigued to see how this work pays off going into next season, though. It's going to be very interesting to see. Okay, you're making that jump. Game is faster. Game is more physical. Game is against men, not teenagers. What can Joshua do? I'd like to see where he's at right now. Obviously, Owen Beck's debut was the Canadians absolutely laying an egg out there. And Waz's fancy stats probably wouldn't look any better. But guess what? They don't need to. The Canadians aren't supposed to be good. This is just, hey, we're calling you up for a game. It's fun. It's at the Bell Center. If you score a goal, neat. If you don't, we're sending you back to junior anyways. What's the harm in it? I agree. All right. I, I plan to talk about other things in this segment, but we're already out of time. So we're going to move on to our next segment uh, in which uh, Bo Horvat is now off the market. What does that mean for the Montreal Canadiens? And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you'll need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. What does that mean? It means you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Scott, I honestly, I thought we were waiting for news. And then you texted me and you said there was a Bo Horvat trade. And I was like, wait, did the Canadians get Bo Horvat? No, they did not. The Islanders got Bo Horvat. Um, yes. What does this mean for the Habs? I mean, it means the market's kind of set. So the trade is Bo Horvat is going to the Islanders. They have not discussed and extension at this time, according to uh, Renaud Lavoie. And what this means, and going back the other way, is a lottery protected, our top 12 protected first round pick this year uh, from the Islanders, Anthony Beauvillier and Atu Ratu, who is one of the Islanders' top prospects. He's been playing uh, for their team in Bridgeport in the AHL and he's gotten a couple of NHL games this year. I know Islanders fans are a big, big fan of his, and it's not hard to see why. It feels like a win for the Canucks to get Ratu, get another first-round pick in Beauvillier. But at the same time, it still feels like they didn't get nearly enough for their captain, one of their best players. And it's a trade that doesn't really move the needle in either direction too much. And for the Habs, looking at this, this is a high-end scorer, really high-end scorer, team captain, on an expiring contract and he got a protected first a top nine nhl forward depending on your views and a top prospect who is middle six potential as of right now it's 
it kind of sets it in line with what you might expect for the case. Like if you're trading Sean Monahan now, lessen your expectations because if this is what Bo Horvat is getting right now, I don't think Sean Monahan will fetch what you think he's going to fetch at this given time. But I also think this is a trade that not a lot of people seem to really understand. Honestly, both sides are kind of going, okay, is that it? Or we gave up too much. What is the meaning of this? And I think now that the market is set, some other pieces are going to start to move here in short order. I think trade deadline is going to have a lot of action before it, kind of like it did last year, where the Canadians started with uh, the Tyler Toffoli trade. Honestly, they're just a few weeks ahead on this one this year. That's the thing. I wonder, though, because last year kind of felt that way about the about about the Tyler Toffoli trade as well. And then the closer you got to the deadline and the more FOMO there was among GMs, you kind of got the market, the, the price raised a little bit. But I will say that, no, I think Sean Monaghan is a phenomenal trade piece if he can stay healthy, but he's not going to fetch that. No. Also, Mike Hoffman is not going to fetch that. <laughs> um Kenny Dodonov is not going to fetch that. Jonathan Drouin is not going to fetch that. I think, um, I think for me, it's not so much what Bo Horvat fetched, but the fact that he's off the market, I think, unless the Islanders are going to turn around and trade him again. Uh, like, I think that that's, that's the key here is that there's one trade piece that has long been rumored um, to be on the market that is now that's set that's gone now right so like one more piece that the, the jams might have been eyeing that is no longer available so that's the way that's the perspective that I want to look at it is that now does the price increase for everyone else just based on scarcity right like if it's a supply and demand thing not necessarily um, a return setting the market thing but just literally more you know the more that these pieces fall the more GMs get a little bit more desperate and I, I mean, the Islanders aren't preparing to contend. So there are teams out there who are, who do need that help. So I'm just, I'm just curious to see how this kind of shapes the market. And for the Montreal Canadiens, I don't think it increases the demand for any of the players that they have on the market. I don't think it necessarily increases the, the return, but I also don't think it decreases the return um, all that much. Because I think like you have to look at it as kind of a... Like they were gonna get whatever they were gonna get, gonna get anyway, because they're gonna wait until the very last minute or until the the, the, the right price, whichever comes first. Doesn't that make I sense? I think you, yeah, I think you brought up a good point. Is that it's like, is this going to kind of kick other GMs going like, oh, that guy's off the board now? What is our plan B kind of thing here? Like we saw with the Toffoli and the Sharat deals last year, is that it's like, okay, these were names that were rumored and now they are gone. People got to start to act now a little bit. And I know that there's a lot of other people out there. Timo Meyer is a name. Sorry, JD. We love you. But he's out there too. It, it's definitely possible that we're going to see this kind of spur things. I don't think there's going to be a lot of talking during the All-Star break. I will be shocked if anyone gets traded, anyone prominent gets traded uh, during the upcoming break. Just because it's players want to go relax. Players want to recuperate. They don't want to worry about the stress of being traded. But after that, you might see a small flurry of things leading into that deadline there. And I think you brought up a good point is that it doesn't really decrease the value of Habs players. And my prediction for the trade deadline is this, is that I think there's not the Habs might trade someone very early on in the day, might add some AHL pieces here and there. 
but guys like a Hoffman, a maybe not a Dvorak. I think Dvorak will go before the deadline if he's going to go, but a Druan or a Dodonov are going to be like those flurry of ones that pile in at like 2.45 in the afternoon right before the deadline ends, where it's like he went for a fifth and, you know, this third-tier prospect playing in, you know, the USHL or something like that. And that's okay because that's when GMs get desperate. And if you're lucky, you can find those you're looking for. This is where Kent Hughes found the Justin Barron deal last year. Is he waited until almost the 11th hour and then got what he wanted or almost what he wanted. I'm pretty sure he asked for Bowen Byram first and they said hell no to that, which fair. Uh, it's I, I think that this is a good starting point, though, because I, I don't see that this helps the Islanders. And someone brought up a point that it's like they have him for a little bit. They don't get any better. The Islanders just flip him for more picks, but who knows? I am interested to see how this wouldn't, because the biggest piece the Canadians have have term. Bo Horvat does not have term. Is someone willing to pay more to get a controllable asset versus one that's going to expire in 30-ish games like Bo Horvat is, unless they have an extension in place? And that's Anderson, that's Dvorak, that's Edmondson. Teams are going to want control because the cap is staying what it is. They know what it is. And then from there can make a decision on the future with that player. So I think the Canadians, like you said, it didn't decrease in price, but I'm not certain they're out of anything or there are still first round picks on the table here. There's always a GM that's going to pay for that. I think this is a very interesting starting point though, because it's an expiring UFA. And if anything, this kind of sets the table for like a Timo Meyer deal. Not a Jonathan Drouin, different tier of player. But I think this sets uh, the bar higher for other teams with bigger name free agents coming up. I agree. Also, speaking of the future, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of your mailback questions that you sent over the last week. We're slowly getting through them. Um, and that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I want to tell you about Athletic Greens because it's something I use. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take control of my health. Because it supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. And it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It literally supports all the things. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. That's all. You do not need a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So today, I thought I would read a couple of our mailback questions that we received via email. So we got this question a while ago, actually, from uh, Richard D. 
but we never really, uh, I think we didn't have time for it in the past. So please stop me if we have, because I'm like 90% sure um, that we didn't do it. The question is, if by some miracle the Habs do in fact acquire a late first round pick in 2023, do you think Hrabel is a name we should be interested in? That's it, right? We haven't done uh, this one. I don't think we've done this one. Can you spell the last okay. name real quick? H-R-A-B-E-L. That could be my pronunciation. So let me continue to read the question. At this moment, I personally see Do- Jakob Dobish as our top goalie prospect above Primo, but I do think the prospect of drafting a first-round caliber goaltender at this stage of our rebuild may not be the most flashy pick, but one that could fit in well with the timeline. As of right now, there's only one or two goalkeepers of note for 2024, and we all know how long it takes to develop in this position. Very curious about your thoughts. And a side note, imagine drafting Jaeger, Axel, and Hrabel and getting a similar return as Dallas the last time they drafted three. So I butchered all of the pronunciations there, but um, here's the thing. Because Richard says drafting a first-round caliber goaltender may not be the most flashy pick, but here's I, I don't think that that's true because I think if the Canadians do that, everybody's going to be talking about it. So it's funny that uh, I'm looking at the um, uh, elite prospects. I'm looking at the rankings for everything. One, this is a large child. He is six foot six and weighs 209 pounds. He's not even 19 years old yet. Uh, and he's eligible for the 2023 draft here. Ranked 37th, 85, 32, 19, 52, second ranked North American goalie, 27, 40, 42nd, 29. He's going to the University of Massachusetts next year. I'm not opposed to it. It's just you better be damn sure is the biggest thing. And we really should get a uh, goaltending expert on the show here at some point to kind of help break it down because I look at some of the save percentages and I go, what's, you know, this isn't all that, you know, impressive to me, but also leagues are different. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I also see Thomas Suchanik, who had a really good world juniors is in here. Uh, Trey Augustine, who has played for team USA, Thomas Millich, who played for team Canada and won a gold medal. There's any number of options. And honestly, unless he really, unless Rabel here is actually truly standing out, I don't think they have to really push for that because I think he'd be available second, third round because teams don't often take a leap on a goalie unless they are super sure. And I'm not, unfortunately, smart enough to know what makes him such a good goalie because I haven't watched a ton of the USHL or any USHL this year, to be quite honest. But I'm not opposed to looking at some of his numbers here and looking at just his physical size and everything. Seems to be what they'd be looking for in a modern goalie. So I think this question came in. This was a couple of weeks. It was on the 21st of January, but um, I think it's relevant. Um, and it's from Claude S. And the question is, do you have a connection in the NHL? Because I want to paint my birdhouse blue. And since there's no point in painting the creases blue, maybe they can spare a pint or two. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had like connections at the NHL. I'd feel so much cooler if I did. And so the (laughs) thing is that the fun part is that blue in the crease uh, is not paint. 
it is a sticker that goes on the ice and then they ice over the top of it. Um, all those lines and everything that you see are not painted on the ice. Those are like long, like plastic or like sticker strips that go in the ice and they put more water and ice over the top of them. Are you for real right now? They're not? The only thing I believe that gets painted is I think the logos and like the face-off dots and stuff maybe, but like the goal crease and everything I believe is just mats that get water flooded over the top of them. Uh, I believe it was Amanda Stein who showed them doing this in New Jersey and everyone lost their mind because no one knew that's what this was like. I so that to me is super interesting. It is. I don't know if it's everything, but I think it's just the things that are used every game. So like the big circles, the the, um, goaltending creases and like the red line and the blue line and stuff, I think are just all like embedded in the ice, at least at the NHL level anyways. That's incredible. All right, so this is another question from Claude S. Hi, guys. Tyler Pitlick was an example of the perfect throw-in for any deadline deal, a terminated contract, and a serviceable NHLer. Do you have any comparables for this year's deadline? <laughs> I'd have to – I have a lot of roster looking up to do, but, like, honestly, anyone who can fill those bottom six minutes, whether they're, you know, going to be here beyond next year or not, Someone like a uh, a Vinny Henestrosa, who I thought the uh, Canadian should have claimed off of waivers, is the kind of guy that I'm looking at here. Uh, anyone on an expiring deal really is probably good if you can get extra additions to take on whatever's left of their contract so they can make a move. I'm not saying it has to be a big, terrible contract like a Milan Lucic, which would be part of a much larger deal, I think. But if they're willing to throw in like an AHL-contracted player to take on a guy making two and a half million to play on our third line. I'd go for that in a heartbeat just to, uh, it increases the Canadians war cash basically. And I think anyone similar to Tyler Pitt, like 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 Vinny Henestrosa, et cetera, is probably what the Canadian should lead should need. Let some of the young guys cook, let them play in the AHL. The rocket are going to make that playoff run. Um, and just see what you got there. You can sacrifice a guy on an expiring contract who's going to sign for league men somewhere next year so Jesse Yellenen can play, you know, a lot more minutes. So he also has some praise for Samuel Montambo, saying that he's five rebounds a game away from being an elite goalie. If he ever can, learns to control those rebounds, hyperbole aside, he's our franchise goaltender. Improving puck handling would put him in Price's orbit, which would be a bonus. So here's my thought is I love Samuel Montambo, but those rebounds. He has a very weird thing with rebounds. There are some games that like his glove is, and Jake Allen has done this recently too, is that he's got it and it's not going anywhere or it's hitting him and it's dropping in front and he can smother it. But then there are some games that it's just like, what, what, what is going on here? Like, and I do agree the stick handling, the puck handling thing for goaltenders is difficult. And sometimes he goes out to make a play and you can see the gears turning and then someone just jams the gear shift in neutral and he doesn't know if he's going forward or backwards. And it always leads to some kind of chaos. I appreciate that he wants to help out his defensemen and everything, but sometimes stay in your net and let them do their thing. Keep it simple. You don't got to get complicated with the 2022, 2023 Canadians. Like, 
it's if the puck goes in, it's going to go in. Just one step closer to Connor Bedard. Yes. And I want to say hi to David H., who sent us a lovely long email, most of which uh, we were asked not to share, except there's one really fun question. Who would play each of you in the Netflix movie about Locked On? <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch like enough movies to know who would play me. A lot of people have told David me I look Harbor. like that guy. I don't know who yeah, that is. Yeah, you look like that guy. David Harbour is the guy that everyone says you look like from Stranger Things. Oh, I was going to say the guy who plays Hopper in Stranger Things is who I was going yes. to say. I didn't know that's what his name was. So Yeah, I think that's his, it's David Harbour. I'm pretty sure. It's something Harbour. So that's who would play you. As for who would play me, like I can't think of someone that I look like that's a famous person. Um, but if it's somebody that I would like to play me, Jessica Alba is there. <laughs> um, that's who I would love to play me. Um, I think we're even born in the same year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I'm not going to look that up because I don't want to know how old she is. And then I don't want to know how old I am. Um, but also when I was much younger and much more attractive, like I like did like try to like dress like her. Like I tried to like straighten my hair like her. Like I was very much into the Jessica Alba look. It's going to be the so. best podcast ever. I can't wait to hear these people yell about poop and officiating. It's going to be great. <laughs> bear poop in the microwave <laughs> yep gonna be awesome yes um well well jessica alba talks about hockey fashion um and feelings about josh anderson <laughs> all right uh that's it for our current episode there are still some mailback questions so if we didn't ask yours uh we will ask them uh in our next whenever we can fit in some more mailbag questions so make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcast as well as on youtube in february we're going to start doing this fun thing called shorts we have no idea what it is but we're going to do it <laughs> uh and so make sure you hit that bell as well you can find us on twitter at lo underscore canadians you can email us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com uh and you can tweet us at lo underscore canadians as i said uh you can find scott at scott matley you can find me at the active stick also you can leave your questions in the youtube comments just write mailbag question at the beginning so i will select it as a mailbag question thank you so much for listening we will talk to you tomorrow